Well, uh, great to have all of you here this morning. We're very, very uh, grateful this morning to have two of our missionary partners with us, Bill and Kim Snyder. Uh, Bill is right here, and Kim's sitting right behind him there. Okay, waving. <laughs> uh, Bill and Kim uh, lead Asia Pacific Media Ministry. We have had the privilege of partnering with them now for several years. First time they've been back to visit us in a little while, so we're very, very glad to have them. You know, uh, they, through technology, which he will be explaining a little bit more, they are reaching across many nations of Asia, spreading the gospel, spreading the message of Jesus Christ. And the wonderful thing about the partnership we have is that every single person who receives that message of Christ, you and I have a direct part in that happening. We have a share in that person's life and what God does. And that's the beautiful thing about this partnership that we, by our financial support, by our prayer, we're able to put missionaries like Bill and Kim and the 31 other missionary partners that we have, we're able to be a part of what they're doing and, and share in that. And that's the mission that Jesus Christ gave us because our theme this month is people matter. People matter. And we live in a world of broken people that need Jesus Christ and his grace and love desperately above anything else that a human being can possibly need. What a mission, what an opportunity, what a privilege we have to invest in the lives of people. So thank you for those of you that in addition to your regular giving every month, every week, you are also sacrificially, compassionately, with vision, giving sacrificially to help support our missionaries. We thank you for that. Uh, you will have an opportunity later in the service when we receive our offering today, in addition to regular giving, which keeps the mission going right here at home, to also give to Asia Pacific Ministry in that offering. And I think Bill is going to share a little bit of a project, something that is right now going on there that we can help be a part of. So keep that in mind for, the, for later in the service. Right now, though, I want to invite Bill to come and he's going he's gonna to take the next several moments to, uh, to share with us what God is doing in that part of the world. So, Bill, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you. I love the worship. Thank you, Pastor and team. Um, first time I've sung these and thous for many years. I was raised in the Presbyterian Church where these and thous were a part of every Sunday. And so it's kind of nice to have a thee and thou, uh, as long as we understand who thee is and thou are. <laughs> anyway, let me introduce my wife, Kim. She did wave, but she didn't stand. I'd like for you to just say. <laughs> if you have a chance to talk with her for a moment afterward, you will find her to be a very wonderful communicator. Uh, she's been on this journey with me in marriage for 45 years. She was eight. No. <laughs> no. Um, but she was, uh, she was younger than I am anyway. And uh, I jokingly said to her, she doesn't remember it this way, so you can hear the rest of the story. I said to her when we were getting engaged and married, I said, Kim, stick with me and you'll see the world. Uh, little did she know, um, 
probably the world I was thinking of was Vermilion County, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. <laughs> God does strange things and wonderful things. Uh, you have been a part of our lives and a ministry that we've, uh, God has helped us to do in Asia for uh, literally, I think it's decades. Pastor Jim, uh, I know it's more than 15 years. Maybe Janet would know exactly, but I'm thinking it's pushing 20. Uh, and so everything that I will share with you this morning, whether it be in video or the Word of God, you've had a part in, because missions is a multiplying thing. You sow a little bit of seed, and it produces a harvest that is 30, 60, 100-fold, not 100%, 100-fold the impact that it has. We left Illinois in 1988 to move to Manila, Philippines. The call that was on our lives was to develop indigenous media. Indigenous means from the soil, in the languages, of the stories, of the people, of the nations that God might send us to. And I jokingly look back on that in 1988 and ask a few of you gray hairs along with me, what was media? Not much. FM stereo radio, the VHS recorder. The Betamax was going out of existence. It's on the Antique Roadshow. Oh, seriously, the, the dramatic change that has happened even in the past decade that we could not have foreseen has given us access to people anywhere. There are no borders anymore. If the story can be compelling, if it is in the language of the people, if it is attractive, then you can gain an audience to listen to the good news. So from starting with radio, we've ended up doing dramas, movies, movies that have now gone into multiple languages, and now social media. The beauty of social media is this. Buddhists like Instagram. Muslims are downloading things on YouTube. Hindus join Facebook. And all of the things that used to be kind of, we can't get there anymore, now we can get there. If the story is attractive, if the message is compelling, and if you're able to multiply it through the lives of other people, media is a common ground. I want to share with you a little 90-second video that compresses some of what we've done. We, be, we began in our living room. How many of you know good ideas begin in living rooms? We began in our living room, and today we have a full-time staff of nine, plus a number of volunteers, plus a number of part-time people, and we have people that are working with us from Myanmar, Burma, to the Philippines, Hong Kong, into Indonesia, and Taiwan, and have trained many in other places. But watch the video, and then we'll talk from God's Word about people mattering. As much as we produce, it can never be enough, which is the value of training others who can do it. Remember the old story, you can catch a fish for somebody, or you can teach them how to fish. And in this social media world and in the world of creating stories and telling about change in people's lives, 
if you can empower a person who can then do it themselves using their smartphone, using a computer, using technology that almost usually is free or at a limited cost. Some of you can produce amazing stuff and you just do it in your bedroom. How much more if we train people in countries where there's limited access to the gospel to be able to tell their stories and to be able to present Jesus in the marketplace? Somebody said this a long time ago, and I really think it's true. If our message is not in the marketplace, we are a silent people. And Jesus doesn't want us to be silent. So the day that we're living in, one of that is through using social media and media in general. Um, I want you to turn to God's word. It'll also be on the screen. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning in the time that we have about God's GPS. Technology influences all of our lives, whether you're on Facebook or whatever. And by the way, you can like me on Facebook or you can go to our website. Inside your bulletin is a magazine and a prayer card and it'll give you all the details. Like us, follow us, Go to the website, look at all kinds of stories and even uh, trailers of movies that we've produced over the last several years and just check us out, but not now. Um, the book of Acts, I believe, is God's GPS for the church. You know, we all have, how many of you have GPS in your car or you use it? Most of you do. GPSs have saved many marriages. I don't know what it is, but the guy always wants to go left and his wife always says turn right and the arbiter, the mediator between the two turns is the GPS. Unless you're like me that sometimes you think you know better. But the GPS is something that affects all of our lives if we're going somewhere we haven't been before. You know, the interesting thing about a GPS is this, it always points forward unless you're going in the wrong direction. Turn around when possible. Or those magic words, recalculate, recalculate. But eventually, if you follow it and if it's working correctly, it gets you where you need to go. And God's word is like that. And the book of Acts is that way because the GPS is God's powerful spirit always pointing us to the next place he wants us as his church and as his people to be. In Acts chapter 1, if we have the verses, Acts 1, I'm going to read verse 6 to verse 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse 7, he replied, the Father alone has authority and sets those dates and times, and you are not to know, or these are not to know, for you to know. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts, or the ends of the earth. Acts 2. A few verses from Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, 120 in the upper room. Remember the story? They were kind of in hiding because the whole city was kind of against them. They crucified Christ. 
So these people were waiting for the promise of his coming. Acts 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting and... Verse 3, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And they and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. It was the Feast of Pentecost. Imagine all the Jews and all the languages that were in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came. We don't have time to read the rest of those verses. We'll read two more. But what happened was this. As they began to speak in languages that they had never learned, the people that were in Jerusalem from all over the known Jewish world heard the praises of God in their own language, heard the goodness of what God had done for them in their own tongue, and it drew them, it was a witness to them, it drew them to a place where Peter could stand before them and give the first message of the church. And 3,000 people came to know the Lord. But what attracted them? The Holy Spirit outpoured and people hearing the word of God in their own language. Now, two more verses, verse 17 and 18. Peter's talking and he's saying, here's what's really going on. Here's the story. Joel wrote about it hundreds of years before. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. God's GPS and missions. The first few verses of Acts 1, we see the direction. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. People matter in Jerusalem. They matter in Judea. They matter in Samaria. They matter in places that you and I will never be able to get on a plane and go to. God has a love and concern for each of them. Now, let's bring it down to our understanding. Jerusalem is your hometown. Jerusalem is your neighborhood. Jerusalem is your family, extended. Jerusalem is your school. Jerusalem is your workplace. It's the people that you have the most ease of contact with. And God says, the good news is for Jerusalem. And then he says, it's for Judea. And Judea is close by. It's 10 miles away. It's here, it's there. It's friends that may be just a bit farther. It's those that, that we've had relationship with over a while. It's not too difficult to get to Judea. They're like us. Then there's Samaria. As I was driving down the road, State Street into Lamont, I saw the Hindu temple on the left-hand side of the road. Samaria is those that are different than us different religion, grew up in a different place, but now they're not that far away. We have access. We run into them in the Jewel, in Osco. We run into them on the street, hopefully not too hard, but we run in, we, there's people, they're around us. I've been in a number of churches recently, and, and it's interesting, the IT people in the church always are coming from India. Five couples in Bloomington Normal, all Indian, 
all working in IT at State Farm. I said, are there any IT people in America? But, but they're here. Some of them, recent converts to Jesus, never would have clearly had a good witness of God in their own homeland, perhaps. But here they are among us. How do you, how do you cross over to Samaria? With a smile? With acts of kindness? Sometimes with creativity? If there's an international community around or international students around, inviting them for Thanksgiving dinner? Food is a great barrier crosser because we all like to eat. And I tell you this, from living in Asia, we introduced most of our Asian friends to Turkey. They don't know what a turkey is. So we can cross Samaria. And God says people matter in Samaria. And then there's the uttermost parts. Manila is 24 hours by plane with stopovers. It is just short of 9,000 miles from O'Hare. And God spoke to us clearly in the mid-80s about going to Asia. And God speaks to people about going to other parts of the world, not to visit, but to live. And then there's something called the Acts 13 moment. Remember Acts 13? All of the leaders in, in Antioch are praying together and Saul and Barnabas and, and a number of people are among them. And the Holy Spirit speaks to the group as they're praying and says these words, separate to me Paul and Barnabas to the work that I've called them to do. And the leaders of the church laid hands on them and sent them out. And the implication of sending them out was not just goodbye, God bless you, be warm, be filled, but we're not giving you anything. They sent them out with sustenance and support to go to the place God called them to go. And that's what you've been doing. Pastor Jim mentioned 31 families have had an Acts 13 moment in Lamont. You saw them, you began to pray for them, you have supported them, and they are there because of the relationship, the partnership that this church has with the people that have been called to go to another part of the world. So the map of missions is very clear. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, people matter in all of those places and 9,000 miles away. Whether it be Africa, or Latin America, Europe, or in Asia. It's an amazing moment that we are living in. The most important thing is to just say, yes, Lord, the GPS, I want it to be on so that I'm aware of what's around me and what your spirit may be urging me to do. The second set of verses talks about the power of missions. When the Holy Spirit came upon those believers, literally in 50 years from 120, almost the entire known world of the time had had witness Without Southwest Airlines, without the Eisenhower Interstate, nothing was available that made it easy for them to get there. They walked, they were in boats, small boats, and they went to places and they shared the good news. The power of missions is the spirit that urges us to care for another person. The power of the spirit urges us to take time for another person. 
Several years ago, Kim and I were in Mongolia. We were teaching at a Bible school, and I did a workshop on media for a number of people. A friend of mine is now the manager of the only Christian radio station in Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, 25 stations, FM and AM. His station is ranked in the top three. And his audience? Lama Buddhists, communists, very few Christians. But because of the programming and the uplifting music, he's ranked about third out of 25 stations in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, because he cares about people, and it comes through in the programming. Well, we were there for about 10 days, and the last Sunday I was speaking in a church that met in a gymnasium. The the church in Mongolia is very new, literally less than uh, 25 years old. So there are very few, you know, maybe 2% of the whole nation may be Christian, maybe less. So I'm speaking in this church, and at the end I felt inspired to say, is there a person here that I could pray with you that you would want to follow Jesus Christ, that he would become your Savior and Lord of your life. And a lady sitting toward the back, small congregation, 50, she lifts her eyes up. She looks at me. We lock eyes. She nods. There's another person that says they want to also have prayer. And so we prayed together as a group, and then I said, would you come up and tell me your story? And this lady walked up with her daughter and another woman. And she said, I am an attorney. And she's, again, speaking through the interpreter, her friend. I'm an attorney. My husband's an attorney. We have all the money and all the things that we've ever needed. This is our daughter. She's going to go to university in America because we can send her there. But all of my life, I've been looking for something. And you see this woman standing beside me? She's my neighbor. For almost 18 years, we've had tea once a week in her house. And we're about the same age, and so we have a lot of things in common, but she invites me over, I invite her over, and for almost every week of the last 18 years, except if I'm gone or she might not be available, we get together and we have a cup of tea. And for all of this time, almost every time, she began to tell me about her God. Now, I've tried Shintoism I am a Lama Buddhist. I will go to the necromancer. I will go to the fortune teller. I have tried everything I could know of to find peace. That was the one thing I was looking for in my life. And she kept telling me about her God week by week. And I kept saying to her, I'm not interested in your God. Let's change the subject. Year, week after week, week after week. Imagine how much tea they drank. But they had enough in common that they continued to get together. And that week before I spoke on the Sunday, the lady said again, the neighbor said, you know, we've got a a guest who's going to be speaking. He comes from the Philippines. I'd love to have you join me. And the woman looked, the attorney looked at her and said, you know, if I go with you once, will you stop talking to me about your God? I don't know what the woman said, but she showed up. She walked into this gymnasium and immediately, for the first time in her life, she experienced what she'd been looking for. It wasn't money. 
It wasn't power. It wasn't position. It wasn't respect. It was peace. She sat through that whole service. I could have spoken out of the book of Leviticus on sacrifices. And she would have become a Christian because she had 18 years of drinking tea and hearing the story from an ordinary follower of Jesus, nothing special, but God had done something in this woman's life and she could not help but share it. That woman became a follower of Jesus that day, probably before we prayed at the front because she had all the witness she needed from her neighbor. My question, the power of the Spirit is in each of our lives. Why not you and me? Why not us? If you don't like tea, go to Starbucks. But find a friend and share life because people matter. And you don't know what God can do. In verse 17 and 18, chapter 2, we get the idea of the, of the, uh, the surprises of missions. Remember, it talks about young and old, rich and poor, male and female, servants, uh, old men, young men, old women, young women. God is the first equal opportunity employer. In the Philippines, we have employment restrictions. You could never get away with it in America. To be a stewardess on Philippine Airlines, you have to be at least five foot two. And many Filipinos aren't. They're disqualified. Okay? There's other stores that you've got to have a certain education level. You have to have a certain... Um, they have a, a variety of qualifications, otherwise you are disqualified. Not so with God and his kingdom. You can be 12 or 82. You can be a millionaire or soon to be, or you can be somebody that's living paycheck to paycheck. You can come from a difficult home background or you can come from a Christian family. God is equal opportunity, and Joel said it 700 years before Jesus came. When the Spirit comes, it will fall on all of us. All of us. So the surprise is, God uses flawed people. Anybody here? Let me illustrate. Thank you. There's three honest folks. The rest of you were looking down. <laughs> Jacob in the Old Testament. We'll do a little bit of a Bible survey quickly. Jacob in the Old Testament was a deceiver. He deceived his brother out of the birthright. He deceived his father out of the prayer for the eldest. Zacchaeus was a corrupt tax collector. Jonah was stubborn. Jeremiah was depressed. John quit too early. When the going got tough, John said enough, and he went home. Mary Magdalene had a really bad start and made a lot of bad decisions with a lot of men. Moses was a murderer. Dare I go on and on? 
But God transformed each of their lives. He took flawed people and they become heroes because the Spirit changes them. They don't stay the way they are. And that's the beauty of this fellowship. We come as we are, but we don't stay that way. And it's not because somebody bludgeons you into a mold. It's because the Spirit of God in our life makes us different. There's this great verse in Philippians. It says, God is at work in you, both to will and to do what's pleasing to Him. God is the one that transforms flawed people and makes us something different. Another surprise. The surprise is to have access to people the way that we do. We talked about that a little bit in the beginning. Let me tell you a a couple of quick stories about some of our media work. We did a movie for the Philippines that is now in Bahasa for Indonesia. We just finished that in August. The movie is a horror movie. On YouTube, you can type in Ang Sugo, A-N-G-S-U-G-O, or Filipino Scary Movie. And it worked. Now, the story was not about glorifying the evil. The story was about a young woman who came into a house that had had a curse placed upon it and upon the family, and she was the only Christian in the home and the lowest on the totem pole as far as status. And through the movie, she is the only one who knows what's going on. She's the only one who has the answer. And we see God, the power of God's Spirit, overcoming all of the evil that is a part of this family. Well, one way that you determine if you're successful with a movie is whether it's pirated or not. You know, in Asia, copyright means the right to copy. And so this movie was pirated and put on YouTube, and in a little over two years now, it's had 515,000 views or downloads from 24 or 25 nations of the world. People have watched this movie. So, and in it, there is a clear witness of who Jesus is and the change that Jesus brings into people's lives. Who knew in creating that? So now it's in Bahasa. It will be used in Indonesia. Indonesia is the fourth largest nation in the world. We never hear about Indonesia unless there's a tsunami or unless there's a riot on the streets of Jakarta. But it's the largest Islamic nation in the world, and this movie, because it's spiritism, will be watched by people who are Islamic. We created another movie called uh, Rebound. It's a basketball movie. The number one sport in the Philippines? Basketball. You say, they're short. You're right, but they're fast. And they can play in flip-flops. So we created a movie called Rebound. And uh, little did we know that it would go beyond the Philippines. There was a man in uh, Pakistan who saw it and said, could I please voice dub this movie into Urdu because I work with Muslim youth 
in the cities of Pakistan, and I would like to use it as a way to share about God. We said, these are Filipinos. He said, it doesn't matter. The problems are the same. Drugs, relationships, hopelessness, no sense of the future, problems in the family. So we allowed him to voice dub the movie into Urdu. A year later, our video director saw him in a conference and he said, I want to thank you for producing the movie because it's the best one I have ever used. Thousands of Muslim youth have watched this movie and they have heard clearly what it means to be a Christian and how Christianity can change a person's life and make them different. The power of a story. The amazing thing about movies is this. They have a long shelf life. What's your favorite movie? When was it produced? Probably it's at least five years old. One of my wife's favorite movies is The Sound of Music. The original with Julie Andrews from the 60s. It's coming up on 45 years old, maybe more. But it still is being viewed and still being watched. So when you produce a movie, it continues to be used again and again because the story lives even to the next generation. So why should not God's stories, the stories of transformed lives, live? So the surprises of God is you start out doing one thing and he makes it more than you dreamed. You start out with one idea and he makes it bigger than you could have imagined. I will say this to you honestly. The future that the Lord has for you as a part of this people matter movement is greater than you can dream. But it begins with the first step. One more surprise. What we do in this life outlives us. What you do in your life will be remembered after your life. How much more is that when it comes to spiritual terms? We've been working in a number of different countries. One of the countries, I was sitting down with the superintendent of our churches in that country. This is a number of years ago, and I asked him this question. I said, how long have you been a Christian? This is a nation where Buddhism reigns where Christianity is limited. Um, in fact, I'll describe it this way. Um, the, the land that he lives in and the people that he came from, there is one Christian for every 15,000 people. So if Lamont has 30,000 people living in it, or 45,000, there are two Christians in Lamont, or three. That's how limited it was. So when I asked him, how long have you been a Christian? He looked at me and he said, well, uh, I've been a Christian for seven generations. I said, say that again? Seven generations. Now I'm doing quick calculation in my mind and I'm going back and I'm going back and I'm going back and I'm thinking, my goodness, the great, 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 great grandfather 
That would have been somewhere in the 1800s, probably 1825, 1830, 1835. I said, tell me what happened. He said, there was a man who came to our nation in the early 1800s. His name was Adoniram Judson, Judson College, Elgin, Illinois. The first American missionary sent out from America to originally India, he ends up in Burma. He stands on the steps of the largest pagoda that is still there in Yungun, Burma, and he shares the good news of the gospel after he'd taken long enough to learn the language, and in his faltering or not perfect Burmese, he's sharing the gospel day by day, many times a week, and one day a man walks by and stops and listens to him for a while. And then he comes back a little later and he listens to him again. And he comes back a third time and he listens to him again. And finally he said, I want to, be a, I want to follow the God you're talking about. That was my friend's great, 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 great grandfather. He was the second convert of Adoniram Judson. Seven generations of unbroken faith. There's a church in Massachusetts that Adoniram Judson was sent out from in the early 1800s. They were his supporting church. Imagine how those people feel about the investment they made in people and what happened because of it. Missions is a legacy issue. It goes further than us. And so when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about taking a step out of our comfort zone, I would urge you, whether it's me or someone else, whether it's something that the pastor's saying, or whether it's in your quietness of time with God, and he urges you to take a step that feels a bit uncomfortable, I would urge you to say yes. Because you'll never, ever know the full impact of an act of obedience to what the Spirit of God, the GPS, is asking us to do. I want to pray with you. We'll turn it back to Pastor Jim in a moment. I thank you very much for investing in this work. We basically train a people, a person for about $50. We take it from them grabbing our fish to them learning how to fish and an investment that will change a person's life. But at this moment, I'm more concerned about you. What will you do with what we've heard? And how will it impact this movement called People Matter? Father, I thank you for each one that's here. I thank you, Lord. You've known our week. You've known our Sunday morning. You know everything that has happened to us. I believe that there are mo points of this word that you have applied very, very personally into our own situation. Maybe it's with a neighbor. Maybe it's something that you've already been encouraging us to be involved in. Lord, I pray that the word of God would just be this great encouragement to say yes and do the next right thing for each one of us in this room. I thank you, Father, for the spirit of God that is here. And I thank you, Lord, that you are always asking us to take a step outward. 
I ask you, Lord, as this Thanksgiving week begins, and perhaps as we spend time with friends, family, extended family, that it will even be in those moments that your spirit will inspire us to share you. I thank you for each one in this room, and we commit ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. <clears throat> I appreciate, uh, Bill, what you've shared this morning, and uh, the whole thing comes down to who Jesus Christ is, and there may be someone here today, or maybe more than one, who is searching out this whole thing about God and about who Jesus Christ is, and I just want you to know that uh, he is here today as well as he is in the Philippines or in Asia or anywhere else, and you might be asking, well, how, how can I place my faith in him? How can I come to know him? Well, Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he, he did that so he could take our sins and our sorrows, all of our wounds. He took them all to the cross. And so the invitation that he gives us is that if we will uh, come to him and repent of our sins, he'll forgive us. And if we'll come to him with all of our wounds, he wants to heal our lives and begin to put the pieces of our lives back together again. And what he asks of us is to receive the invitation, to invite him to be our Savior. And so if you're here this morning, right where you're seated, and you feel like in your heart you're ready to, to make that invitation to Christ, I want you to know that he's ready to forgive you of your sins, he begin to heal you of your wounds, and he's ready to enter into the deepest part of your life and begin to change you from the inside out. All it takes is your sincere, Lord, I need you, I invite you, come into my life. And if you make that decision this morning, uh, it's important to grow. We have uh, Bibles at the Information Center. If you don't have one, you're welcome to take one with you today. Uh, just ask for it. Begin reading in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, best place to start. And then be sure to start connecting with other Christians. You can connect here. Uh, wherever you can find other Christians, keep growing in that faith. So take that step, I encourage you, if you never have. It's, it's the most important decision you can ever make.